0: DJ, PK, and Jay Drew, BYU football writer for the Deseret News, joining us. Jay, good morning. Morning, guys. So, Jay, you've had a few stories lately that have gotten BYU fans all sorts of riled up. What was the feedback like to the story about uh, playing as an independent and what the schedule might look like?
1: Uh, I, you know, I think it's been uh, kind of as you expected. Nobody wants it. It's... It's uh, one of those doomsday scenarios that probably way way down on everybody's list of what they want to see happen but um, yeah I thought it was newsworthy nevertheless when I read a an article by Dennis Dodd and Cbs that that the independents were talking to each other and they were forming contingency plans and so you know i called a few ADs, uh, liberties ad Army's ad New Mexico states and found out that it was it was true and that uh, one of the major things that I wanted to find out is how involved BYU was because in the Dodd article it said BYU was not involved Um, but they actually are according to Duff Tittle and some other BYU administrators so um, so I thought it was newsworthy I obviously don't want it to happen Uh, probably way down the list of things that could happen but but I think you have to explore all the all the alternatives, and that's certainly one of them. So, so yeah, I, there was a little bit of uh, negative brushback from from some fans, but that's kind of to be expected, I guess.
2: So you're telling me the rallying cry will be "Give me liberty twice" or "Give me forfeits"?
1: <laughs> yeah, i uh, You know, there's obviously a lot to that has to take place. I mean, number one all BYU has contracts with all these schools, uh, to play. And, um, and so when, even if they say, Hey, we're not going to play you, we're just going to play league games. Then that's a whole nother can of worms is what you do with those contracts. Uh, so, you know, I could see attorneys getting involved and all that, but, uh, but yeah, that's just one option is, uh, playing Liberty twice, playing New Mexico state twice, uh, and, and, you know, and who knows what's going to happen with Notre Dame. They've got the scheduling agreement with the ACC, but, but that doesn't take care of all their games. So, you know, maybe BYU would play Notre Dame twice, and I'm sure people would, would love that around here. So that's still a long ways away. But, uh, hey, what else are we going to write about and talk about, right, you guys? Hey, yeah. how about paying off <laughs> that
0: game they owe for the two-for-one and Notre Dame coming out to Provo? Or as PK says, forget about it. Go to Vegas. But I just don't know if this would be the right year to go to Vegas and cash in on a massive crowd there.
1: Yeah, I, I think that other alternative is is having them come to Provo. Uh, obviously, they'll be looking for games. They'll need games, and uh, seems like that would be a good game, especially if you have to, you know, move the season back where where uh, we start August or October first and and play that uh, shortened schedule, uh, perhaps that could happen. Who knows? So this draft just
2: happened. They had nobody drafted for the first time in 2015, as I understand it. Uh, is that a trend or a one-off?
1: Yeah, I hate to say it. I don't want to be negative Nelly, but I think it's a trend. I I mean, you're talking they haven't had two players drafted in the same draft since I think uh, Vakapuna – uh, and uh, I can't remember Austin Colley. Yeah, um, you know, you look at it; it's understandable. I think that the University of Utah is getting way more players drafted. Uh, they're in a they're a P five team. They've recruited really well, but I think what's troubling for BYU fans is that Utah State is starting to get more players drafted. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a, it's a trend, and it's troubling and. I think it goes back to recruiting. Um, some people say it's developing players. I, I think you got to have a, a, a base to start with, and I just don't see any recruits, even the ones that recently signed, where I can say that guy's going to play in the NFL. And I think you can look at Utah's signees and even some of Utah State's and say, and Yeah, that that guy's got NFL potential. And you run down BYU's list in the last couple of years and. Of course, a lot of them go on missions, and so you kind of forget about them or whatever, and, and you have that whole factor that comes into play with the age and all that. But I just don't see the, the recruiting there that where they're, where they're bringing in the, the guys that they can turn into NFL players.
0: So, what do you think the biggest change there is? It the changes in the BYU staff over the years that that's kind of gone away, or is it the fact that the youths are recruiting and getting more of the players? Is the fact the whole Pac-12 is recruiting in the state? Is it all of these things together, and it's a thousand paper cuts?
1: Yeah, I I think it's more than a paper cut. I, I you know I've I've written about it and talked to you guys about it over and over. Utah going to the Pac-12. Just killed BYU. There's just I don't know how else you you can you can paint it your number one rival in terms of recruiting um, with an LDS coach um, who can talk some of these players into that want a kind of a quasi LDS environment. Um, you got obviously the success they've had, the track record of putting players into the NFL. The schedule they play, the Pac-12 affiliation, the revenue that they have, where their facilities, locker rooms, all that are top-notch, and and BYU has to recruit against that, and then you bring in all these other Pac-12 teams that are coming into Utah and the areas that BYU recruits, and recruiting LDS players as well, and not not afraid of the whole mission thing, like maybe they used to be You know 10 20 years ago so yeah i i think it's more than a paper cut but but uh it's it's very very difficult um i mean if you're a high profile player coming out of high school um who didn't grow up kind of worshiping byu or dreaming of playing there uh why would you go there and i'm i'm with all the other alternatives and then i'm thinking uh even guys who maybe grew up with that in mind, like a Britton Covey, Chase Hansen, other guys are, are not even going to BYU anymore. So it's a, just a tough, a tough road for Kalani Satake and his staff to recruit these guys. It's really, really difficult.
2: I think what DJ is saying on the paper cuts is that it's a combination. So and it's not one thing, it's a whole yeah. bunch of things that is leading to this situation of not enough professional guys. Uh, and what you are saying, I want to make sure that I understand that you're putting it on – Utah going to the Pac-12, which brings its own issues, and then obviously Pac-12 teams coming in to recruit here. And you think th- that's the biggest issue as opposed to U- BYU going independent? Because
1: that's two separate things there. Yeah, I, I do. I, people say, you know, I talk to a lot of recruits. I used to write a recruiting blog. I never really heard a kid say, hey, I don't want to go to BYU because – Uh, because they're independent, because they don't play for a championship. Um, Contrarily, I've heard kids say, hey, BYU's schedule was attractive as an independent. They play, you know, Wisconsin, they play, uh, you know, around the country, Missouri, Michigan State. Um, I've really never heard – maybe it's that feeling is out there, but I've never heard a kid vocalize to me um, that they – won't go to BYU because they're independent. Now they I've had her kids say I'm going to Utah because they're in the Pac12. I've I've absolutely had kids say that. Um but uh but I so you know I it's not negatively on BYU, it's just what their rivals have to offer right. that they don't. Right. It's just yeah.
0: So having said that, how many Cougars do you see in that uh, elite players that could be in that NFL draft pipeline? I'm sure a lot of us can name a couple of them, but maybe you can name more than that, or maybe there aren't that many to name.
1: Yeah, I think there's a few you guys. Kairos Tonga, Matt Bushman, the two guys that chose to return. Um, I just wrote an article yesterday about Brady Christensen. Um, He'll be a junior, but he's been on a mission. He's 23. He already redshirted a year the offensive the right tackle he's up in the air uh, as far as where whether he's going to go after this next year uh so i, I think he's got a shot i think the center james Empey, is the exact same boat as brady christensen being a junior uh redshirt junior uh with a, a mission under his belt um or, or two tristan hodge uh He'll be a senior. He's uh, already graduated. He's an uh, offense uh, guard. Um, might have a shot. Um, I don't really see any skill position players out there for BYU that uh, that are, are ready, um, you know, to, to make that make that leap. Um, unless uh, the you know the grad transfer running back from Utah, Devontae Henry Cole. Is as is, is good as uh, you know some BYU coaches think he'll be. Maybe maybe he'll have a shot, but um, but yeah, I, I think they'll have a few players drafted next year. Um, but how many? It's kind of depend, depends on whether some of these guys uh, that I just mentioned, like James Empey or Brady Christensen, uh, forego their senior year and, and enter the draft.
2: So what's best for BYU and its recruiting strategy as far as do they go after the guys they go after, knowing that they may not get them, or do they go after the next guy to have a better chance to get those guys and then hope they develop?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I, I got to credit Kalani. He, Bronco used to seem to shy away. If, if Bronco knew he had a very, very slim chance of getting a kid, it seems like he didn't even try. And I got to credit Kalani, um, and this is just anecdotal. I don't have any numbers, but it seems like Kalani is casting a wider net, and he's jumping in and, and you know trying and trying for these kids, even though they're long shots. Um, and you know, you got to credit. Look what Mark Pope did with the right. Matt Harms from Purdue. Uh, you know, every once in a while, you know, um, it pays off. So I think you got to keep doing it. So I credit Kalani for doing that. But um, but yeah, I think it, you got to kind of look at it realistically if you're BYU and say, um, where do we want to put our resources? Our our limited um, resources, um, which you assume are limited because of uh, you know the revenue. They obviously don't have the biggest revenue stream as the Power Five schools. So where can we? That most effectively use our resources. Um, personally, uh, you know they, they've had some great success going to Hawaii over the years. It seems like they haven't gone there as often. That's one place I would look. And I think they, I think they need to get into Texas more. Um, they've had some success there, and and uh, you know, talking to Micah Simon, a receiver from Texas, he, he tells me, hey, he thinks there's a lot of kids down in Texas that are kind of looking to get out of the state and uh looking to play right away and maybe that's kind of where you go but but it's a it's a tough dilemma i mean i don't think there are any easy answers to be sure
0: Do you think that the current state of things as far as it doesn't look like there's going to be seven-on-seven camps and that kind of stuff this summer is going to lead to the evaluations of high school players being tricky and maybe more guys falling through the cracks? And so if you're not one of the elite, whatever level you're at, whatever conference you're at, maybe it opens things up a little more?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, And I think, you know, obviously BYU used their camps uh, really well to re- to find guys and and um, to recruit guys and not having those will be you know it could be a double edged sword it could be hurt them because they won't be able to evaluate um, players and then you know one of the other things let's face it the BYU kind of has to vet these kids and make sure they can handle the lifestyle and all that which is kind of you know getting back to the basketball thing is. With uh, Matt Harms coming, um, he he hasn't he's never been to Provo. That's, it's amazing um, that uh, and you know BYU hasn't had a chance to kind of vet him or or maybe kind of go over all the little details of the honor code and all that. And that could be the same with with football. So um, yeah, on the surface, I think I think there could be some kids slip through the cracks. But on the other hand, I think there maybe could be the potential to, to get a kid that, you know, maybe doesn't, isn't quite sure what he's getting into.
2: Maybe explore and mind the grad transfer market a little bit better because I know the BYU basketball coaches are a get old and stay old is a philosophy that I've heard them say. But at the same time, it's dangerous because football is a numbers game and you need to develop guys and you have a bunch of guys coming in for one and dones. I wonder how well that will serve you.
1: Yeah, I advocated BYU do that. I, I just think you can get a kid, especially a non-LDS kid, in there, and, and you tell him, hey, it's only you know, it's only twelve months or ten months, uh, and you know, for the opportunity to play Division One football. Um, so, I think yeah, I, I've advocated that a lot. I think you have two. Patrick is that the, you know you're you're going to have a hard time getting a kid to come in there and stay for four years if he's not familiar with the culture and the and and the lifestyle and all that. But but I think you can sell a kid on on eight months. Really, is yeah. look, look at Tyson Williams. He literally arrived last whatever June, uh, July, and uh, you know he leaves in he leaves in uh, in. January, and um, if he hadn't got hurt, you know, who knows what would have happened. But but he didn't have to stay that long, and he had a good experience and, you know, set himself up for a possible shot at the NFL.
0: You know, the difference between football and basketball is that basketball doesn't have a limit on the annual allotment of scholarships whereas football's got to deal with that twenty five eighty five rule. And if you keep giving those twenty-five scholarships to seniors, you're gonna you're probably gonna end up hurting your depth at some point. So I think you really got to pick and choose, but it looks to me like there's two things to look at. One, if you have a chance to get a skill player who you think is a starter? You probably have to do it because, as you pointed out, that seems to be an area that BYU is struggling. And then the other place, if you just have a specific need at any one position, you know, you need a corner, you need a left tackle, you need a whatever, uh, you know, a specific need, and it's just. I guess really the skill is kind of the same thing. It's just they figure to have a need at those skill positions. If they hit on another Harvey Young at running back, then maybe they would have a few years where they wouldn't have a need at running back. But that doesn't seem to be the way things are going.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think he, um, you know, you can look at their roster and say, here's what they need. They need a. They need a big-time receiver. They had a great uh, – it's been a few years, but Jordan Leslie came in and was a was an instant mm-hmm. impact player. Um, they need a rush end. They need to uh, desperately need a rush end, and it seems like you could get somebody in the transfer portal uh, that way. But, yeah, DJ, you're right, just uh, – Uh, i don't think they ought to do sign like 10 of these a year but that's a problem but specifically when you see what your need is and you know two or three a year and go after those i I think is uh would be a pretty good strategy
0: jay as always we appreciate a few minutes thanks for checking in with us uh we love having you on the air we'll get you again okay guys stay safe
1: and uh Whatever, flatten the curve and all that other stuff, so we can get football up here going again. I'm starting to worry what I'm going to be what I'm going to be writing about this fall. So I'm with you there, hopefully, Jay. Uh, it yeah. all turns out well. Thank you, Jay.
0: Jay Drew, Deseret News, join us here on 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show coming up next. Stay with us. And now,
3: Top of the Wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz said he's not concerned about the franchise drafting former Oklahoma and Alabama standout quarterback Jalen Hurts in the second round of this year's draft. Free agent running back Marshawn Lynch said his agent has been in discussions with the Seattle Seahawks about a potential return this fall to the franchise. And he says it's almost that. expect the unexpected right now. Lynch is 34 years old. University of Louisville received a notice of allegations from the NCAA on Monday, including one Level 1 allegation involving impro- improper recruiting offers for former signee Brian Bowen II. ESPN will televise South Korea's Korea Baseball Organization games during the upcoming 2020 season. They'll be airing six regular season games per week. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. This Top of the Wire Update, brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating and Electrical. Bring into action now. Mention the ad and receive $33 off any service. Call action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333.
3: Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ PK, time to get Chip to Speed on the stuff we've talked about today. Ryan Abraham, USCfootball.com, joined us at 830 P.K.S.C. is having a, a big recruiting haul. That's a huge positive for USC. I think it can easily be argued that that's a huge positive for the Pac-12 conference and potentially it's image nationally if USC starts to win big again because you only get judged by one team winning big. It doesn't really matter what the rest of the conference does. If one team wins big, I give you the ACC and Clemson as an example. But is it good for Utah? Because Utah's won the division two years in a row. Now, nobody's won a division three years in a row. No one's been in the Pac-12 title game three straight years. But did the Utes miss their best chance? Is USC about to get back on top and stay there? Or is this all just overhyped? Kyle develops talent. The arrow's been pointed up for a while, and it will continue to be pointed up. We have uh, taken... uh, Phone call from Rick the Dishwasher. We got tons of people tweeting at us. We had Ryan Abraham weigh in on all of this. What did you come away with?
2: A couple things that I'm concerned about from the Utah perspective is that SC's got some momentum rolling in recruiting. And, you know, once that happens, you can really build upon it. And the top guys... You basically, especially in the area, you've got to give them a reason not to go to SC because they already have plenty of reasons to go to SC. and They're all built in right there. We know what they are. They've been that way for a number of years. So you need to provide reasons for them not to go. And that's what concerns me is it looks like right now there's reasons to go. If they can find some stability there, I mean I, Clay Hilton may not be the most charismatic dude, what have you, uh, so forth and so on. But you know, SC has gone through a lot of struggles in their athletic department, and maybe they're coming out of the other side of it and so they can capitalize in this momentum because kids want to go to SC in the Southern California area. Those are just the facts. That's what they want to do, and it's almost like you have to make it so they don't go. And then secondly, I think Christofal now was the great hire for Oregon, and they went through uh, three coaches. And so you got them on the other side too. I don't know what's going to happen with Lake up in Washington if he can keep what Chris Peterson has had going, well, then that they're they're going to be tough too because you know, they've got a good tradition themselves. So you got those things going on. But on the other hand, I, I think it's good to have teams in your conference and your, particularly your division, since you're going to play them literally every season, to have them be good and have a benchmark to shoot from and aim because I think that makes you step up your game. Either you step up your game or you get rolled over. One of the two. And for Utah, it's not like they put the SC's reeling in these kids, puts Utah on notice. But it gives Utah a greater sense of urgency and a greater sense of urge to make sure that you're doing the very best you can in recruiting because you've got this team over here that historically is really good. And if they've got it going on, that you've got to be able to meet or succeed them. And so I sort of like that in a sense rather than – You know, you're just beating teams that aren't very good because I don't think that that generates the momentum that you want. High risk, high reward. Beat a team that's really good and then your reward is going to be much greater. Beat teams that aren't as good. The risk is lower, but the reward isn't as greater.
0: I think the other thing we should look at here is the, the schedule matters, and Utah benefited from it last year. They didn't have to play Oregon in the regular season, and USC did, and USC lost to Oregon, and then the just won the division by a game. Now, USC's playing Oregon and Washington this year, but the two years after that, Oregon and Washington are going to go off their schedule for a couple of years, and so as we kind of look at, like, this three-year cycle, and, you know, with college football's play, college football players playing four years, three if they're leaving early, as USC tries to cash in on these guys, they are going to have a break coming their way, not playing Oregon and Washington, and we don't really talk about it that much. You fans probably don't want to talk about it. You and I haven't brought it up that much, but that was a break for Utah a year ago.
2: Okay, fine. Yeah. But... That's, it's only a break if you take advantage of it. The schedule is only a break if you use it to your advantage because you're playing games. But if you lose those games, well, what advantage did you have? You know, we thought it was a big deal in the beginning. Oh, not to play Stanford and play Cal. Well, then they lose to Cal yeah. and then they beat Stanford. So it depends on how it plays out. We
0: had on John Pessa, author of Yogi, A Life Behind the Mask, and uh, Yogi, so many crazy stories, such, such a personality, such a winner. I mean, 10 World Series titles, 14 World Series appearances, He's 10 and 4 in those 15 All-Star Games, but uh, John was sharing just stories about his life that were interesting, intriguing, what made him great. Uh, you know, the story about really being mentored at a young age when his catching career could have gone either way in the big leagues, uh, that was a big deal. And then just lots of fun, goofy stories, too.
2: Well, yeah, you and I have made a vow that we're going to intend, attend each other's funeral. And we're going to do that in honor of Yogi. It's a good line.
0: <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> in the physical now, since Yach's looking at us like, would you like me to tell you more? Maybe you will.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think people. I, I I'm probably going to go first. I'll go to your funeral. But people won't know that I'm there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just sneak in the back.
2: No, no. no. I'll be up. I'll be invisible. I'll be an angel.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. When you go first, okay. Not to. I got it. Yes. Yeah. Actually, you got a lot of longevity in your family. I am. I think I'm really going to have to grind out some decades here if I'm going to match you.
2: All right, then you go first. Uh, then.
0: Not volunteering. I'm just then saying. You, you know, come back the to odds. my either
2: way. Yeah, <laughs> I do have uh, my my father's father died fairly young in his 60s, but my other three grandparents were in literally in their 90s, and my uh, my parents both made it to their 80s, and they were longtime smokers. I mean, they just defied the odds outrageously. I got a picture of them at my mother's high school prom. At the bottom of the picture, they're both holding cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> So they smoked a good sixty years and then they had health problems and both quit instantly. But my mother's side, oh my goodness. My father's side, they, they you know they had some substance abuse issues. My mother's side, those are cantankerous old people who just refuse to go. I mean I that is
0: my uh, uh, my wife's grandmother. Hey, can you have a grandmother-in-law? That's kind of odd. But yeah, I just yeah, can, yeah, right? Can. It's yeah, not yeah, an expression yeah. here. But uh, my mother-in-law used to say that about her. It's like, nope, she's too mean. She is going to figure out how to make this go. <laughs> and
2: she did. She lived a long time. Yeah, we had a situation where a few years, well, several years ago, my mother was probably close to 80 and it was spring break and we were down there and we she's just feeling she's just almost dead we take her to the clinic right because that's that's all my parents could afford and we go in there and uh, it's me my father my wife and my mother and the guy says she's dying you need to get her to emergency right now you need to get her to a hospital I can't help her so I go get, and I got the, sat, the Saturn that, that my mother won in Vegas on the slot machine. I run out in the driveway. I literally drive it up over the curb right to the door. We put her in, and so she's sitting in the front, and my father and wife are sitting in the back. Well, we didn't get chance to... Strap her in so the seatbelt thing is going off, and it's about an eight mile drive to the uh, hospital. I literally am just going as fast as that Saturn can go, weaving in and out of traffic out of I 17 north up to uh, past Bell Road. And she's just wailing, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And I, I mean, it's a, single, it's a thing right out of freaking movies, right? And we pull up, and you had to pull up literally on an uh, incline. And I go up. I run in, I need a wheelchair, I need another <laughs> She ends up living, so it's a good story. And they rush her in there, and she's on this gurney thing and i look at her i'm gonna die and i look at her and i get real close to her mouth and i don't speak italian but i know some italian swear words and the big ones and i just <laughs> laid into her and i said you've been a bleeping fighter your whole bleeping life you're gonna fight this now blah 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 and everybody thought she was gonna die but she didn't she pulled out of it and lived uh, a s- several more years and her oldest sister was 100 when she died. Uh, my uncle, who was shipwrecked in the sea for five freaking days, I tweeted out the obit. bit. He just died last month at 98. I've got another aunt, my godmother, who's 92. And my sisters still see her at the casino every week <laughs> down in uh, Phoenix. So, yeah, I got all sorts of longevity. So all you people who want me out the door, haha, I'm going to stay around. You're going to go before me. You're going to Yacht's funeral. There you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> they wheel in 114 year old PK.
2: Get the hell out of my way. Get out Ooh. of my way. <laughs> Got I, don't
0: wanna, I don't even want to be in this thing. I could totally walk up there. It'll be fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, there was a survey. We discussed this. We were both stunned by this. Uh, a majority of sports fans surveyed by ESPN. Said they're in favor, they, they surveyed uh, 1,004, I don't know why 1,004, but whatever. 1,004 sports fans age 18 years or older. And 65% are in favor of sports returning even if fans can't be in the stands. I was sure that number would be higher. I want to talk to the other 35%. We discussed this earlier. This number ought to be 95%. I mean, I get there's always 5% who go the other way. Fine. You're not going to get to 100. But 65? Only two out of three? Come on. Come on! No way. It's got to be higher.
2: Yeah, I would watch it... Obviously, in the situation that we're in, we're starving for live sports. At least I am. I think most of our listeners are because we are sports fans. We've been sports fans our whole life. So uh, the, the starvation factor for sports would be one reason why I would definitely want it. It's competition. It's real. I'm involved in that big time. And I think the players in whatever sport, man or woman, when they come back, it's going to be something. It's going to be a sense of appreciation. I I heard uh, on Instagram Jimmy Buffett was talking. He did a little thing, and they were like interviewing him virtually, and he was saying, "Oh man, that first concert back." <laughs> 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 He's going to blow the roof off the dump. Right. It's been taken away, right? This is some, in the summer for him, he talks about how he's had a 40-year summer job, you know, because he tours in the summer a lot, and people like to wear the hula skirts and all that stuff, and, you you know, you understand what it's about. Even if you haven't been to one of his shows, you know what it's about. And so, but he was talking about how, yeah, he just is so excited whenever that first concert is back. Well, I think that's the same way it's going to be for sports, and the athletes are going to be so excited to be back whether it's uh little league high school junior college all the way to the top the everyone's going to be so excited I'm speaking to the baseball coach down at corner canyon yesterday and they're just so eager to get back out on the field just for a practice you know just to just to be out there and throw the ball around and smell the leather and and uh, slide in the dirt and all that type of stuff yeah and then secondly I'm going to have curiosity to what it would be like to see a big-time sporting event without the noise of the crowd. One of the things that struck me when Vince Scully was retiring, and he gave many interviews, and, you know, you tend to, if you listen to a few of them, the same questions are asked and you get the same answers. And one of the big things for Vince Scully was they asked him, well, what are you going to miss? And he said, universally, the roar of the crowd, just the excitement and the emotion when you look down, in the press box, and you see down at the field level the folks in the stands. And how weird is that going to be to not have that? So just out of curiosity's sake for that, I would watch it to see what it's like.
0: 100%. Having traveled for the games, whether you've done it a little or you've done it a lot, to be in a different place and to see what the reaction is like is absolutely one of the Fun things of doing that. And it doesn't matter if you're traveling with your team as a fan. It doesn't matter if you're traveling as a medium member. Even if you're going to an event that is kind of, yeah, it's still one of the cool things to check out. How many people are there? How fired up are they? And how do they react in a big moment? And you always remember that. And you hear players, they talk about it all the time. They they don't necessarily hear individual voices, but you hear players all the time. It's great to go on the road and shut them up, right? We've all heard that quote. And it's you're right, it's going to be odd.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, I traveled many years working for newspapers and uh, did a lot of games that were not in my city it was wherever it might be literally across the country and eventually you know i got tired of the travel but what i never ever got tired of was walking into a stadium and walking into an arena and to feel the excitement to sit there and press row and know that the game was going to be starting and look around and see the people that everyone was always you know always into it to one degree or another the higher stakes the more they were into it too but i never I never lost excitement for that, the dead hours spent in airports and hotels and rent-a-cars and all that stuff. Eventually, you get sick of it if you do it for a long time, particularly as the traveling became more difficult after 9-11 and all that stuff. But I never lost the excitement of being in a stadium or an arena, and I still have it.
0: DJ and PK, that's what we've been talking about today. It's brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Rammy, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback coming up next. And it's almost here. Don't go nowhere.
3: Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. You ever think you could have been a competitive
0: eater? No. Take the structure out of it. I could eat a
3: half-gallon ice cream right now. Okay, how quick? In uh, 20 minutes. That's one segment, Lloyd. Are we ready to do this on the air? Now? The thing
1: is, it's just not my thing anymore.
3: You eat. just threw it out there that you could eat a half-gallon ice cream in 20 minutes. Yeah,
1: well, you could jump on a donkey naked and ride it. But,
3: but it's not your thing anymore. Do
1: you, <laughs> is it your thing? Do you want to do it? Okay, how many mozzarella sticks could you eat? In one sitting. In one sitting in 20 minutes. Probably 20. I've got a half gallon of ice cream in front of me, and Scotty's got 20 mozzarella sticks in front of him. Who finishes first? Do either one of us finish? And Lloyd's got a donkey.
3: (laughs) Hans and Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only three fifty nine per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. PK, we're hearing from a lot of youth fans. They're combative. They're ready to take on USC. They flinch. They give no quarter. They're all in on Kyle Winningham and his staff. As they should be. Utes for Life, you guys are making a bigger deal out of it than it really is. USC has had 54 four or five stars within the past, uh, Utah's had eight within the past five years. But Utah had 25 draft picks and USC only had 21. All of Utah's commits for next years are all four star as well, but you failed to mention that. Dot, dot, dot. Shocker.
2: <laughs> uh, who's that by? Utes for Life. Uh, my guess is I've probably muted him on Twitter, but uh, if if you think we're not Ute fans and we don't, uh, uh, what do you what do you want me to tell you, my connection to, to Kyle? I mean, come on, man. Uh, it's not like we don't like these guys. In fact, it's is the absolute opposite. But, you know, SC, as I said, uh, if you give kids a reason not to go to SC, that's good. But once they have a reason, and they already have many reasons to go, and it worries me, man. I've seen them. I've seen them be on top. I've, you know, I've seen them being mediocre. I haven't really seen them be on the bottom. I can't they say the not do I've that.
0: On, they don't no. do that. That's why you haven't seen it. They don't do that. They do right. two things. They have decades where they crush it. We were talking about one of them yesterday when they went to the uh, Rose Bowl 10 times in 14 years as the Pac-8 and Pac-10 champs. Obviously, the Pete Carroll era, they crushed that whole decade. But this last decade has clearly been up and down. But they rarely are going to do worse than third in the division. And when it was a 10-team league, they rarely did worse than fourth or fifth.
2: Yeah. So I wonder if we, if we can say, and be ready, Yak. be ready, be ready, be ready.
0: Uh.
2: Has Utah, have they had their crack?
0: Oh, you crossed him up. That wasn't the one he expected. <laughs> he was ready for two words, two words. I could see it on his face. We know Boise State had their crack. There, you're off the hook, Yak. So two things. <laughs> So two things. <laughs> that was better than the that drop. That might be the better than, <laughs> that the, was better than the drop. We know Boise State and your crack. Uh two things here. One I mean obviously Boise State has their crack. Yeah, you're just piling on. That was too late. <laughs> We talked about it in the 7 o'clock hour, and Youths for Life probably wasn't up yet, and you probably have your theories on YPK. But Kyle, every three years, has been better than the three years before it. He's been there 15 years. Break it into five segments, and you can see the arrow is up. So the fact that they're getting four stars now, and they're going to trend up in the future, that is very easy to believe. Oh, for sure. And, and the other thing, when we talked about this with Ryan Abraham, and he said USC fans complained to him because it is clear, and he recited the numbers. They're so clear, even SC people know them. He said Utah's done a better job of developing the talent they have in NFL players than USC has, even though USC has more of these four and five star kids. So that's also well reported. But. And Yock, jump in on this, because we were just talking about it in the break. The reason to bring up the seven four-stars USC already has is there's two ways to go here. Maybe there's three. One, they don't actually sign all those, so the class isn't as good, but that seems like a long shot. Two, they get these guys, but they pick the low-hanging fruit, and they're not going to get any more in this class. But the third scenario, which is the one Yock is buying in, is that seven is just the start, and why is that, Yock? These guys all know each other. They've been competing at these regional camps, so they see five, six, seven of their buddies go into one. Then eight, nine, ten jump on board. Eight, nine,
2: ten, eleven, twelve are all of a sudden like, "Hey, what's USC got going here? Do I want to go play with those guys?" So that's exactly
0: my point. It's a snowball. So all three things are true. Yes, the Utes are getting four stars of their own. And yes, the next three years for Utah will probably be better than the last three because that's how Kyle's 15 years as head coach have trended. And you can go back and add the numbers up for yourself. Check the wins. Check the bowl bids. Check the division titles. It's a fact. But when SC hits it out of the park... The yeah. rest of the league is powerless.
2: That's my point.
0: I know. And you and I know that because we've been following the league forever. Some people here know that because they've been following the league forever, but some people haven't been. But there is 50 or 60 years of football that says this is true. Pac-8, pack 10 pack 12 No scholarship limits. Some scholarship limits. Tougher limits. TV's not a factor. TV's a little factor. TV's a huge factor. 25
2: initial count.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's 25.85 or when it was 30.95 or when there were no limits. SC, no matter the rules, no matter the era, when they get the right coach in there, look out. Now, does this, this staff, maybe Clay was the right guy and he had the wrong staff and he changed his staff and, you know, Ryan Abraham went into all that? You can listen to it at 1280 thezonecom The interview's up there. We'll tweet out links to it here in a couple minutes. Uh, we're all done. Anything else you want to add, PK? Anything for the road?
2: Yeah, I think that we need to understand right now with the situation, I think Utah is a top 3 program in the Pac-12
0: with Oregon and USC. Yes. And Washington just had a coaching change, we don't exactly. know what to make of them. Precisely. There's a solid middle to the league, which is where Stanford has been residing
2: lately. We'll see and if they get back And Stanford has the, the ability to go up for sure, sure but right so now does today, right. they're a yes, right now they're a top 3 program, which is a pretty good spot to be in.
0: All right, we're out of time. Scotty and hands are coming up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.